Maybe don't know. Maybe don't know. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 80 of the Power Company podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. Wow, episode 80. Do you guys remember back in the first 10 episodes when I was like, um, not sure if I'll continue doing this or not, but, well, I think I can safely say that it's official. Officially official. And... I'm going to have a fair amount to say at the end of this episode, so I'm not going to linger here, but I do want to tell you some dates that we have coming up before we get started with this. Um, first off, I'll be emceeing the So Ill Showdown on the final couple days of March, and then the following week, Monday the 2nd, Tuesday the 3rd, I'll be doing a couple of different workshops, including two semi-private sessions, which are limited to five people each for two hours, and each person will walk away with completely customized advice. Um, You'll be able to sign up for those at Climb So Ill very, very soon. I'm actually going to send them an email as soon as I get this podcast out. So if you're in St. Louis, definitely come and check those out. I would love to work with you. Um, I will also be at the Climb Strong Performance Coaching Seminar in Columbia, Maryland on April 6th, 7th, and 8th. You can learn more about that at performanceclimbingcoach.com if you're interested. And then the following week, April 10th through the 14th, Nate and I will both be in Virginia at Sport Rock doing workshops, getting to know the folks out there. It's our first trip to VA, so if you're in the area, please come and see us. All right, let's get on with this, shall we? And uh, Becca Taggart. Since you asked so nicely, out of the blue, but nicely, hope this one helps on your road trip. Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, this time, this time. Okay, I'm going to just kill the hangboard. And I did. I, I let the goal become the hangboard and I crushed it, but I forgot the climbing. All that rain last night made it super humid today. Yeah. I didn't expect nasty. that at all. I'm, I left Ohio to get out of the humidity and just apparently brought it with me. That's what it reminded me. It reminded me of like being back east, just like yep. stepping off the plane into the swamp and you're just like, Pah. Yeah, that's how, exactly how today felt. I didn't even hear it rain last night. These guys. That was nice. These guys that was nice. Like, it was nice. It was like, ooh, it's raining. Great. Yeah. And I woke up this morning. I was like, oh. Right. <laughs> it's hot, humid. Do I really have to go ride in this? <clears throat> so, I've been I've wanted to talk to you for a long time. You know, we've had we've missed each other last year during OR and and we've talked a few times back and forth and one of the first ways that I kind of came across your training and your ideas was your assessment that you have online. Yeah. And and that's something that we've 
struggled with is figuring out the best way to do assessments, what to measure, how to measure them. You know, climbing is this uh, multifaceted kind of nebulous thing in a lot of ways. And finding those measurements has been difficult. Um, yeah. And you said you've been thinking a lot about the assessments and how to do them. And, and I'm just really curious to hear your thoughts and what you've been thinking about. So, yeah. Yeah. So the assessment, like I started with it years back and there's been multiple iterations. Um, recently, well, kind of in the spring, my buddy Casey Webb got sort of got the ball rolling. He was trying, he wanted, he asked, was asking the same questions and we were just kind of like, well, let's try to sort of figure something out. So we put together mm -hmm. this massive assessment that had, you know, everything like bench press, deadlift, overhead press, campusing, hanging, moonboarding, like the whole just basically threw the kitchen sink at it. And it took right. like a week to yep. do the assessment. So right. nobody wanted to do it. <laughs> so right. we were basically like, well, we did it. It's like anybody else want to do this. <laughs> no one wanted to do it. So we had like no data. Yeah, um, you had an N of two. An N of two, yeah, yeah. it wasn't very productive <laughs> um, or informative. So then, so then what I started doing is I was like, well, you know, let's try to pull this apart a little bit. And I just kind of made the short assessment, which is the one I've been doing a lot lately for the past few months. And I, my N is getting up there. People are doing it. And it's, uh, it's basically three things. And it's date, well, you can do it in one day. Two days is probably best. Sure. Let's do the two-day version. So it'd be day one, warm up, and then you t spend about an hour to an hour and a half climbing up to your max boulder in a day. So you're okay. basically you're in a day maximum boulder grade. Yep. Um, and the idea is you want it to be on a boulder problem. Well, optimally, it's a moonboard problem. Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't have to be on a moonboard. It should just be something like... 30 to 50 degrees overhanging and short, like 15 to 25 seconds time spent on the wall. And the moon board just kind of works really well for that yep. particular thing. Yeah, so but then, it's easy. It's, and it's easy to measure, get the, you know, know what the numbers are and have it be something that's repeatable later down the line. And that's not always available in a normal gym. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. And then it's also, it comes into play with day two as well, which, uh, get to in a sec so day one you do that max boulder then you do a maximum seven second hang from an edge um pick That's the edge. maximum with weight added. maximum with weight added as much yep. weight as you can hang for seven seconds from an edge yep um edges can vary from whatever you know 10 mil the new tension <clears> board has some really good edges at like 10 mil and 15 mil and 20 mil and then the beast maker board has good ones it's mostly you know you the edge size is particular to the climber. Like if you're really strong, mm -hmm. um, you'd use a slightly smaller edge, but basically a seven second max hang, um, and then a one rep max pull up, max weight added. So that's yep. day one. Okay. Then day two is you take warm up again, and then you find a boulder problem that's similar in style and length to the day one max boulder problem, okay. but two grades easier. And that's where the moon board really comes into play because sometimes you can even find a problem that's like uses the same hold. Sure. Yeah. And it's two grades easier. Yep. And then <clears throat> for that one, what you're going to do is you're going to do reps on that boulder problem with a one to one work to rest ratio. Okay. So you're going to do as many times as you can one to one work to rest. So it's usually about like, 
you know, 15 to 20 seconds on, 15 to 20 seconds off is what it tends to work out to. Um, and then the next part of the test is you take 80% of the total weight you hung on the first day using the same edge and you do seven, three repeaters for as many as you can do. Okay. Um, and then the third part of the test is taking 80% of your pull-up weight and doing as many reps as you can with that. Okay. Why 80%? Because I think 80% is a good strength zone, sort of a strength tester. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when we start getting too low in the 70s, you know, some people can just crank off reps and it just, just becomes ends up more being, strength endurance. becomes a lot more strength endurance. Yeah. And I think when you get up above 90, it starts to get to be a, a bit more of a recruitment thing. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of more neuromuscular, whereas that 80, 85% zone is sort of where I'm finding is kind of like the magic, it's where the magic happens. You know, it's like the, I'm considering that now yep. sort of my, that's the area that I think climbers really need to be focusing on, like 75 to 85%. And if boulders, root climbers, what have you, you focus on that zone and then two, three weeks out from your trip or climbing season rolls around, that's when you kind of tune up. So if you're going on a bouldering trip, you might want to start recruiting a bit more. If you're doing some roots, you might want to start doing some aerobic power, some anaerobic capacity stuff to kind Mm -hmm. of get that fitness up. But if you kind of maintain your year strength in that kind of 80% zone, five reps, I'm calling it, um, is I think that's, I think that's kind of my new sort of philosophy on training yeah. like kind of maintain that work on that area cool what about the you know just out of curiosity <clears throat> what about the route climbers who are you know red river climbers who are mostly endurance people or maple canyon climbers should they is there some sort of endurance um assessment test that you think would work for them so yeah so this is where the test is really kind of interesting and the interesting part the data is coming back it's kind of interesting and it's in the reps section of it Mm -hmm. and what i'm finding is that for the seven three we'll start with the seven three repeater one um i've had a bunch of people do it hardcore boulders to actually maple climbers and people who do sort of all in between and we're averaging out at about nine reps. So seven seconds on three off about nine times. It's like 9.09. Um, and what's interesting about that to me is that that correlates really well with, I don't know if you've ever seen those like, what is it, the national strength conditioning charts where you predict your one sure. rep max based yep. on how many reps you do. <clears throat> and it works out to be about, well, it's, it's at about their 77.5%. They say you should be able to do about nine reps. Right. Um, now, the first thing is that those charts are kind of useless in the sense that if you can do nine reps with something that doesn't very well predict what your one rep max is going to be. Right. Because you have people who are like more endurance folks yep. and more strength folks. Mm-hmm. So what happens is on average, the seven, three hangs has converged to about nine reps. But then what I'm seeing within that is you're seeing some people who are doing 12, a girl did 18 reps and then other people who are doing like five and six. So what's happening, you know, to get back to the red river gorge question is what that test shows us is that if the person does much more than nine reps, then that means they're very strength energy efficient 
and enduring, um, but they could really use mat, more max strength. Right. So they're not recruiting that well. Whereas the guy who does, the person who does, the say, five reps. five reps is maximally recruiting. And what they need to do is they need to not necessarily get more endurance. It's that they need to get more strength, I think. And I think there's a difference between that recruitment where you just fire everything and strength. Okay. And that's where the five reps comes into play. So what happens is those folks who are on the, you know, doing the five or six reps max at 80% on the hangs, um, when they start to try to do five reps at 80%, they, they struggle with it. Right. Whereas the person who's doing a bunch of reps, um, they're just cruising the five reps. Right. But the thing is their max weight should be going up a lot. So what the test tells you is that, okay, you are a person that needs to either be working in the lower rep range to get your strength up, or you're a person that needs to be working in the higher rep range to get your strength up. Mm -hmm. um, and then that correlates with the moonboard reps, which are working out to be about five and a half reps um, on those moonboard, I'm, I'm calling them reps, sure. so one lap. Yep. Um, which is really kind of interesting because then you're seeing people who, you know, who are doing, they're getting, say, five five sets or five reps on the hangs and they do their two grade down moonboard problem like twice. And then other people who are getting 18 reps on the hangs and they're doing their two more, their two grade down problem like 15 times. Right. So what <clears throat> you see there is you, you see that nice correlation. And then what I would say to the Red River Gorge climber that just did 15 reps on the moonboard, you got to spend more time doing some maximum bouldering, you know, toss the weight vest on, really try to get your bouldering up. Yep. And that will eventually, that will ultimately get your, your enduro going. Cause yep. you can only get so fit, right? Your aerobic power sure. can only go yep. so far. Yeah, totally. Um, and your anaerobic capacity can only go so far. And the same goes true for the boulder who's recruiting highly. Like you can only recruit so much of your forearms and your lats mm. to hold onto the wall eventually you're going to be recruiting everything you got right and you just have to get stronger plateau so you got to get stronger yep um so that's that's kind of where, what this test is sort of leaning me like pointing that's uh pretty informative as far as a quick and pretty straightforward test that you can actually tell where a person needs to be working so how would you have you know based on that test if you had a red river climber who was much better suited to be a boulder. So he does three reps of his, you know, on the moon board at two number grades below his max. How would you have him train? Would it be still get stronger? It would still, so it'd be trying to bump those moon board reps up to five to six. Mm -hmm. So what I would have him do is I would have him do what I call moon board reps, <laughs> um, where you take, problems of varying grades below your max, um, all the way down to, you know, two grades below, three grades below, four grades below. And you do the one-to-one -one work to rest on the board. So you do, say your, your climb, your Red River Gorge climber, more suited to be a boulder, gets onto the moon board, does a, a 7C plus or a V10. Um, I'd have like, does, does First seven, off, no Red River climbers do V10. <laughs> So that's why they need to climb on the moon board. Get some hard roots down there. <laughs> Same probably holds true for maple climbers. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, so so that person who you know say, well, let's suppose just for simplicity of uh, percentages, um, they do do this V10, mm-hmm. and then on their reps, they're doing a V8, and they only do that three times. Right. What I would have them working on is in the V5, V6 range, have them doing five reps back to back in sets of those in that V5 to V6 range. So it's mm-hmm. hard enough that they're having to actually climb the thing and recruit and like actually do the problem. They're not just sort of hiking up it, but it's easy enough that they're completing the five reps. Right. So they start to build that, you know, some folks may call it tolerance. I am kind of leaning toward just, it's just climbing strength. Like Mm -hmm. the ability, if you just assume that, you know, we're trying to train to climb harder, that's the ultimate goal for most of us. Um, so why don't we just have this climbing strength? Like what is climbing strength? And for sure. me, I'm like, oh, it's a five move boulder problem. That's a good representative of what climbing mm-hmm. strength is. Yeah. Is that, do you think this is something that scales with all the levels? So that's, that's a good question. And that's one that I, I don't know right now because I don't have the data for people below, um, so right now I've got data, 7A climber in a day, all the way up to 8A plus climber in a day. Mm-hmm. And then all ranges in between. But yep. 7A is whatever, V5 or something like that, V6. So that, I don't know if it would scale right. below V6. Right. Um, and that's an area where I'd like to, that's an area where the moon board gets hard. Right. Because if you're sure. a V4 climber and you can do a 6B plus on the board, there's no two grades down problem right. to go do reps right. on. your options are pretty limited in that yeah. range so so that that is that's one of the int- the questions that i that i am curious to find out if it does scale i was actually quite interesting interested in the fact that it scales from v6 to v12 so that's like yeah that's, a, know, big, that's a pretty big, big range range yeah yeah um have you run into or what do you think about someone who and i don't see too many um, really experienced climbers. So I don't see many people in like the V10, V11 range who have this issue, but I do see quite a few in the V6, V7 range that tend to just fall apart when they get tired, even if it's not strength that's the issue. They, some mentally, their coordination just drops, whatever it is, they have a harder time just keeping it together and moving well. Yeah. Do you bump into any of that? And do you think that ends up being a factor? Oh, I totally bump into that. Um, And it is a factor. And one of the the ways I've found to really address it is, you know, we have this idea of intentional practice, like you want to focus and be all, you know, move your feet right and do all that stuff. And I try to think of ways to actually train that. Like, how can I set up a structure of like, okay, do this grade route, do this grade route, do this grade route that will lead the person to practicing. Mm -hmm. So what happens is that's again where this 80% zone, and you can think of 80% roughly as about two to three grades below, in the case of boulders, two to three grades below your bouldering max. And that's kind of arbitrary to say that, but that's around the zone. Sure. And in the case of root climbing, it's usually about I like to think about it as second or third try routes. Mm-hmm. So the second or third try routes, the boulder problems that you don't do first try, but you can do in a few tries. 
those are the areas where I think that person that starts to fall apart needs to really be focusing their time on. Yep. So if you think about like a, a two or three try route, so you have a, a 13A climber and they're out there always trying to red point the 13A and it takes them like, you know, a season and they do the 13A and then they move on to the next season and they do their 13A. Right. Um, what's happening is they're only getting minimal practice at climbing at their limit, at the red point limit. So what I would have for that person, I'd say, okay, look, on your, on your project day, warm up to maybe a 12B or a 12C, that's going to take you two tries. Mm-hmm. So that way, and just commit to it taking you two tries. Don't even try to on-site it. Just like go up, work it totally. out. Totally, yep. Lower off and be like, okay, now I'm getting my, re- my red point head on. And you, send, and you do it, you try to do it at yep. least. And in that way, they start getting the practice of being a little bit pumped. They know the moves, a little pumped. The moves are easy enough because the grade is lower that they know they can do the moves, make the clips, that sort of thing, and just get to the top. And it's like getting to the top on those grades that are hard enough to where you have to try, but not so hard that you're just maxing out all the time. Yep. Um, And I found that that works really, really well. I mean, I've had a few folks who, you know, they're not, they don't have a very, didn't have a very good lead head, for example. Um, could top rope like really hard roots, but right. leading just like started to fall apart. Yep. And what I had them do is just do sets of cascade intervals, triples at the, at momentum. In this case, we had these long roots. I had knocked their grades down like two and three number grades. Mm-hmm. So like instead of upper end five twelves, they're now climbing like five nines and easier five tens, yep. but they're doing triples on them. So, right. and they're these long momentum routes. And so that on the third route, they might be on a 10 a that is normally just dead easy for them. Yep. But now they're pumped from doing two 10 a's before that. So now, and they have to lead everything. So now they start getting used to making clips, being pumped, having to kind of rest when they need to rest, Yep. go fast. We need to go fast, go slow, et cetera. And they start learning how to really red point at a grade that's physically well within their limits. And it just all becomes the tactical aspects of red pointing. Right. And I think the same goes true for bouldering. You just knock it down a few grades and you just get used to, to success. And you start yeah. to learn how to like, you know, you don't blow off the mantle at the top. You're like, oh, I can do that mantle. And then you get this V5 or whatever that this V10 climber normally does. And they're like, oh, I got to the mantle and fell off. It's like, well, okay, right. now think about that next yeah. time, you know, yeah. like figure out the mantle. Yeah, totally. I think that's really important. I, we, we do something really similar where we either do triples like you're talking about or up, down, ups, where they have to unclip on the way down, lead back up. And, and oftentimes we'll have them have an up, down, up project so that they can do the first two, the up, the down and the up becomes hard for them so that they've dialed in the moves. They really know they can do all these moves. They know all the clips and they have to start thinking super tactically and, and it lets them go for things, you know, that they normally wouldn't go for because they know the moves. They know they can do the moves. They get pumped and they just go on autopilot and, and keep moving. And, once that happens with someone, you can see it. You know, you can see right. that they were like, holy shit, I just kept going. Like, I, I grabbed yeah. eight more holds after I thought I was going to fall, you know. Yeah. 
And that's a big moment for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's huge. And I think, you know, I mean, I think that happens with a lot of people like, you know, some of the, they can do these hard top rope routes, but it's like, they just don't trust that they can just yeah. keep going. And you really got to learn. I mean, anything hard I've ever did has been just a struggle fest at the top, like yelling, head whipping yep. and all that. Exactly. And it's like, and yeah, I mean, you just, that's how I, that's how I get up roots eventually. But yeah. And I think people, you need to learn that, you know, it's not like a, yep. and I've seen <clears> some climbers who are like, actually really 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 high-end climbers that struggle with the same thing mm -hmm. and it's it's like you know when they finally do their roots their roots might be 14 plus but it's like they hike it yeah like, dude you could have done that like 10 tries ago yep. if you just tried a little harder yeah totally and it's so it, it goes all the way up to the to the big number folks as well it's not yeah. just unique to beginners in that area yeah and you know we see guys like you or guys like Chris Sharma or whoever going that hard at the top of a route and for some reason there's been this I don't I don't want to call it a trend but this idea in training for climbing that you should never go to failure and I think that's one occasion where you should learn to go to failure in training yeah is because you need to learn that skill of going right. really hard and whether it's a route or a boulder or whatever, you can't learn to turn your try hard on fully until you've turned it on and failed. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So. And I think that's where in the case of roots, you know, outside, like drop the number grade down a little bit from your project, yep. but have it still be hard enough to where you're red pointing it. And if you're red yep. pointing it second try, <clears throat> you're gonna be a little bit out of it. Like yep. you're not gonna be just hiking it. Yeah. Um, and if and you it, are, step it back up yeah, a little exactly. bit. Yeah, so step it yeah. up a little bit. So get it to where you actually have to try, but it's still easy enough to where you think you can do it, you right. know, as opposed to like getting on your project and like, okay, I'm going to go bolt to bolt again. Right, right. Um, <laughs> where, and on a boulder problem, the a way that I found actually, because that's another area where I've seen some really strong climbers, they don't have the try hard. And the weight vest is one, is the way to do, is so you put them on a boulder this mostly inside and they try it try it try it they eventually do it so it's a hard boulder problem for them then you put a five pound weight vest on them hmm. and it forces them to they know they can do the problem but now they've got to try that much harder yeah to do the problem so it forces them to really really turn it on yeah i hadn't ever thought about that in terms of using a weight vest to train try hard i've i've experimented quite a bit with a weight vest and generally shy away from it when I'm talking to clients about it because uh, I just don't want to ruin their technique. I don't want to get them hurt, but I think that's a good method. I had never thought about that You because you do have to try that a little bit harder. And for me, I have a really hard time turning on that try hard. Yeah. I think partly because I started as a trad climber, I was a Red River climber, you know, I like to climb 80 feet, warm up to my try hard, and then I'm only trying at, you know, 75% yeah. because most of what I'm dealing with is pump. Yeah, exactly. Um, so learning to climb at Wild Iris or to Boulder and Waco is difficult for me because you have to pull off the ground and go hard immediately. Yeah, exactly. You know, so that's yeah. been tough. I like the weight vest idea. I'm going to play with that for sure. Yeah, yeah I think, and, and I think it's, it's limited. So, I mean, think about it as your, I mean, I use the weight vest a lot but it depends 
on the climber, like where they are. Sure. Um, you wouldn't want, you know, someone who's just starting out, you don't, there's no reason to. Um, this is more for like folks who are climbing pretty hard yep. and they've got their tech, they're good climbers, all that stuff. They just don't try that hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I like it like for that stick specific it on at the end reason. Of the, at the end of the, the workout and say, okay, now try to do that boulder problem again with this thing. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, usually they, and it's funny because they can do it a lot of times and you're like, dude, that right. five pounds <clears throat> more. Like, Yeah. And I catch myself all the time just trying to make things more and more and more efficient. Like I'll spend, like you said earlier, it'll take me eight goes on something that I could have done second or third go because I'm still trying to smooth it out and I yeah. don't need to. That happens to me more on boulders than it does on routes um, or short routes to the wild iris. It happens to me there yeah. too where I want everything to feel easy because right. that's what I'm used to, you mm -hmm. know? And my... <clears throat> what I can call easy is maybe a higher level than a lot of people can because I'm used to being super, super efficient. Yeah. So I might be able to try at, you know, my 85% might be easy to me. That might right. feel easy, but I can't go past that. Like it's hard for me to. So, so yeah. So, yeah. so that's, that's kind of cool. So I would expect if you did the assessment that you would do, <clears throat> significantly more than five reps on your moon board, one mm -hmm. grade down, two grades down. Yep. Um, and that would indicate that. That's like saying you can go 85% all day long, Yep. but sometimes you, but you don't go 95 or 105, you know, like there's right. that, that reserve. So where the way I would say in that case, I'd say, well, okay, yeah, well now you're going to start projecting on the moon board. And when you start doing those projects at start adding the weight vest and like, Yep. Really just kind of bump up that try hard. That's cool. That's a cool idea. I like it. Are you still doing any of the other lifts in your assessment? Because I know you had deadlifts <clears throat> and pinch block stuff. And are you still thinking about any of that? Or I, I'm you stripped it away? I've stripped it away, but I am thinking about it. Um, mostly because I stripped it away mostly to try to get I really want to get a lot of data on the the reps and the hangboard, mm -hmm. and the easiest way to get people to do it is just say like, I mean, you can cram that into a day, sure, and be like, oh, this is just going to be a good training day. Why don't you just try to do this? And that gets the data for me. So that's kind of why I've stripped the the weights away. Um, and climbers, and I'm sure you probably know, you definitely know this, that a lot of them shy away from weights. Oh yeah, for um, sure. And I I love lifting weights. I mean, I think it's it's a blast and I lift weights to lift weights. Like I don't lift weights to get stronger for climbing. Right. I lift weights to get stronger lifting weights. Right. Sure. Um, Cause I like it. Um, so yeah, so I had initially the deadlift bench and overhead press and really wasn't getting a lot of information. But one thing I have come to the conclusion of, and this has pretty much been this summer is the benefits of, of the bench press for bouldering. I think, you know, I always kind of, it's always just sort of that, you know, the F dude, like, oh, dude, how much you bench? And that kind of gets the bench press thing. But lately, like, our crew has kind of been getting into it. And mm -hmm. we're, like, trying these little powerlifting routines and that yep. sort of thing. Sure. And all we bench, like, I bench, like, 180 pounds or something like that. Right. Um, yeah. But. Uh, like most climbers. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, uh, but I've noticed yeah. that, like, compression and just my feeling on, on the wall has been has gone up a lot 
Hmm. And I would put it, you know, I'm putting it now. Like I used to say, okay, deadlift is probably the best lift just in general for climbers. But I've noticed that climbers, once you convince them to do it, can really deadlift pretty heavy sure. compared to the normal population. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, well, it's probably not going to help them that much to deadlift even more if they're already showing up being able to do it pretty well. Yep. And pull-ups, people say, oh, pull-ups are good for climbing. But then it's like, you know, that's what can, we that's what we already do well. You already do well. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And it's like you go, you want, you know, how many pull-ups do you actually do in a day? with your climbing you exactly moves it's like you just yep. 400 so yeah i can't tell you how many people are like why aren't there any weighted pull-ups in my plan yeah i'm like well because you did them all night long yeah exactly yeah. but the bench it's like one we we're all weak at it yep <laughs> and two it gets it's good antagonist gets all the stuff you don't normally use but it also seems to really correlate well with compression and squeezing and mm-hmm. bouldering like it seems to really yeah help that are you doing barbell benching or okay yeah have you experimented at all with dumbbells or kettlebell i've tried the the dumbbells and so initially so i was doing like because i got really weak i'm like in the incline bench i can barely do anything Mm -hmm. so i was like oh i'll do dumbbells with the incline bench yep i was kind of doing that and it was sort of boring um because like oh i'll do my 12 reps of this and i was just bored and then it was right. like, well, why don't I try to bench as much as I can? That sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> so I just we just started doing that. And it's like, okay, yeah, just put a bunch of weight on there and try to bench it. Yep. And, you know, the same goes with deadlifts and back squats. We've been doing back squats and yep. um and it just becomes a lot it's a lot more fun for me mm-hmm. if I can if I treat it a little bit more like climbing, like I'm trying to hit a certain weight. Sure. That sort of thing. Yeah. And you got your bench press projects. Got my bench press projects, yeah. yeah. 225 that's the goal <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome guys they're just like <laughs> you know, it's climbers are so funny because in high school i did a ton of bench pressing you know because that's what guys did when right. i was in high school like in fact i don't know if i i mean i deadlifted like i don't know 15 times when i was in high school something like that yeah but i bench pressed three days a week you know for years yeah and was ridiculously strong for my size bench pressing and still I'm pretty strong for my size bench pressing, but it's so interesting to see the, you know, the difference between what a climber can pull versus the normal athlete and what a climber can press versus the normal athlete. Yeah, exactly. It's a huge difference. You know, yeah. I was just, I just did a, had a conversation with Dan John uh, for the podcast a couple of days ago. Oh, nice. And, he was talking about doing pull-ups with like 45 added pounds being hard. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, I've got a guy right now who just did pull-ups with 145 added pounds. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and and he's like, what? You yeah. Know? And I'm like, yeah, but he can't press, you know? He can, he can barely press, press body weight. 145 pounds. You know, exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy with that. Um yeah, the pulling and the pushing. And that's the thing, like with deadlifting, like I can deadlift a lot and I'm just not, I mean, it's not going to, it's not going to help my climbing to be able to deadlift more. Yeah. At once you're at point. a certain yeah. place, once you've hit a certain standard, it's time to move on and shore up other things. Yeah. Do you have standards for these yet? Have you so that's the come thing. up so, with any numbers? So the stuff on my website, the, the lifting is actually from Dan John. 
So yep. most of that's from Dan John. Uh, the hanging was just sort of by experience. Um, and hopefully that'll get a little bit more fine tuned. Um, but generally, no, I don't really have, mm -hmm. a, have a good standard. And that's one of the things with the assessment. I'd like to start correlating the hanging and the moon board with actual red Climbing point grades yeah, right. and see what, you know, like, is there a certain amount of a certain amount you need to be able to hang as a percentage of body weight to be able to climb 14A? Like, is that, yep. what is that? Yeah. Um, and I don't have, I have no idea. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think that climbing is so crazy multifaceted. I mean, there's so many aspects of it that you're always going to find outliers who don't have to meet those numbers to climb 14A, right. you know? Yeah. Um, you know, my power is going to be nowhere near most 514 climbers is my guess. Yeah. You know, I'm probably quite a bit more efficient than most 514 climbers. Um, so it's, there's, it's going to run the gamut, but I think those standards are something really interesting to try to come up with and then just to aim for, I mean, it's not going to hurt you to aim for a higher standard right. at any of these things. Yeah. You know, so I think that's a cool idea and yours are the, are the first ones that I know of being out there those yeah. numbers that you had put up. So I'm interested to see what those numbers become after you get more data on these things. Yeah. And, and we've been talking about the same thing, like how to come up with a big data set of people so that we can correlate it to, this is what a 512 climber does. This is what a V5 climber does. You know, I think that's cool. I think it's really important yeah, too. I think so as well. Yeah. And it's, you know, we're lagging in that. Like you can. Yep. Totally. I mean, you take <clears throat> cyclists and it's, you know, road cyclists in particular, and they send them to Fort Collins at age 14 and they're like, well, your road capacity just isn't there. You're not going to do it. You're off the right. team. <laughs> right. And you're like, whoa, okay. You yeah. Know, it's yeah. Dan for the 14 year old kid, but it, yeah. that's what happens is you yeah. get these guys that are just insane. Yeah. Know? Dan John was saying the same thing. Like we've got all these numbers and if a thrower doesn't meet these numbers, you know, we know where he needs work. Yeah. Like that's, that's it. And if he does meet these numbers, you don't need to be in the weight room. Like, yeah. You know, spend 15 minutes in the weight room every few days and that's all you need. Just maintain it and you need to work on your technique. Yeah. You know, so that's pretty important. And, and I'm glad you're pushing in that realm. It's something we've been thinking about as well. I know the lattice guys do yeah. it. Um, I don't know who else out there has yeah. numbers to look for, but yeah. I'm sure they're out there somewhere. Yeah, I did the lattice thing last year. Um, How did that come out for you? Did it? Uh, well, it was funny because <laughs> I did Tom's assessment and uh, classic. He sends it back like, you know, it's, it's a really cool assessment. Really yep. good measures. Yep. I've and seen several. Yeah, he's got like the little met, the little, little, little gauges, thing, yeah. gauges things. And, uh, He's sort of like classic Brit, like, you must have a really strong mental game because you're really weak. <laughs> I was like, so now it's kind of this running joke, like whenever any of us actually do something, it's like, oh, nice mental game. <laughs> and uh, so I was bound and determined. This was like January or something like that. And I was bound and determined to, uh, to get my numbers up, at least to get them to like average on right. the hangboard. Because um, I was literally like the weakest guy he had assessed for climbing grade um so i 
I trained for the hangboard. I trained to red point my hangboard numbers and uh, right. ended up. So I started out and I was like, mine, I was, I had to take 15 pounds off to hang one arm from the 18 mil edge. Mm-hmm. That's one of the tests on the thing. And then when I finished in May, I could do that 15, I could do it with plus 20 pounds. Okay. That's a big so jump. A huge jump. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh man, I'm going to kill it. We were going to South Africa. So I was like, oh, I'm going to kill it when I get there. I had hit my numbers and pull-ups better than ever. Numbers on the hangboard way better than ever. Get to South Africa and I don't climb shit. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I could hang from any hold I right. wanted to, but I right. couldn't move. Um, and what had happened, and this is what got me thinking about this whole assessment with the moonboard thing is I, and <clears> also <throat> what, you know, like Steve Bechtel is always talking about, like the 75% of the time shoes on, 25 yep. shoes off. Totally. And keep I'm the goal, just, the goal. Yeah. And I'm yeah. just, and I, I had heard that I'd heard him say that thousands of times and, but I was like, ah, fuck it. I'm going to just kill the hangboard. Yeah. And you I let did. the goal like, become the hangboard. I let and, the goal become the hangboard and I crushed and it, you, but you got it. I forgot the climbing. <laughs> <laughs> so, I yeah. think that's really important that you say that because so many people let the training become the goal, yeah. you know, and it's, I love training. Yeah. You know? See, I'm the same way. Like I was psyched it's important. to go to the gym and do my hangboard workout. Like yeah. I was like, Ooh man, I'm going to hit my numbers today. Yeah. And it's important to like the training. I, you know, I love it. I love going in and working on new training protocols and trying new things. And, you know, I love digging into my training plan, but climbing still has to be the goal and a lot of people forget that yeah you know training becomes the goal and then they wonder why they're not climbing as well as they think they should be right yeah so yeah totally and i think the you know that 75 25 is and it's funny because i i actually went back after that south africa i because i've got notes on my training going way back yeah and uh i went through and counted it like my good seasons when i had good sends here and there and there i'd like you know a few of them and uh i looked at my training and it was literally like to the t between 75 and 80 percent climbing yep and 25 and 20 percent other stuff yeah like over the course mm. of like 14 years yep and yeah and all like, the wow. best strength coaches that i have read their stuff talked to dan john just said it the other day that you know we're as strength coaches we're 20 percent of the training you yeah know? Other than that, you need to be out there working in your sport. Right. You know? So yeah, yeah, and I think that's that idea has come home for sure. Cool. Well, I'm I'm excited to see where the assessment goes, what numbers you come up with, and you know, I appreciate you sitting down and talking about it. And maybe I'll run myself and all the other power company guys through yeah. it, so we can give you our numbers and yeah, throw sweet. them into the pool. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Anytime. You know, I think Steve's final anecdote there is an incredibly important one. Uh, Don't forget the climbing. It's, It's really easy to get caught up in the numbers and forget that ultimately there are people of all types with all different types of athletic profiles who can climb the grades you're looking toward. Climbing is complex. You know, is there is there really even a such thing as a standard for any of these lifts or hangs for climbers? I'm not completely convinced that we're there yet. It's a really great idea. I'm a fan of the idea, but our 
preliminary data that we've collected through our own assessments shows that people who buck the supposed trend and can climb hard while missing several of the the really important needed aspects aren't necessarily outliers at all but more like the norm you know especially as we mention in this conversation as you look into the grades below v8 or mid 513 the numbers get even more scattered and coming up with just one single number an average to call a standard seems almost unfair many of our current standards are pulled directly from other sports you know steve mentions that many of his initial numbers came from dan john and Dan himself suggested in our conversation, which if you haven't heard it, is episode 66. You should definitely go listen to that. Dan suggested that climbers' numbers should be pretty drastically different from the athletes that he coaches, who are largely throwers. So we're in the beginning stages here. I think we're on the right track, but so far, none of these numbers are the gospel. Everyone is, to some degree, experimenting here. And, and frankly, these experiments are important. So I'm, I'm not disparaging them. Um, I understand the draw. We want to know where to focus our efforts. You know, there's way too much to sift through otherwise. My advice? Hire a coach. You know, even if it's just for a short, private session, a good coach can give you direction based on your climbing, not just based on the numbers. And ultimately, that's what matters most. And remember, like Dan John says, the goal is to keep the goal the goal. Our goal is to become better climbers. Not a stronger deadlifter, not a stronger bench presser, you know, not to master the measurement standards. If those things help, great. That's great. But don't forget about the mindset, the tactics, your partners, your goals, your quality of movement. All those things that have much, much more difficulty measuring. The things that are harder to measure. They're just as important, if not more so. You know, the goal isn't even to become a stronger climber. Who gives a shit if you get stronger and it doesn't help your climbing? Can that happen? Absolutely. I've seen it over and over. I've seen numbers go up massively in the weight room and on the hangboard with absolutely no carryover to climbing. Sometimes it's because they were strong enough already. Sometimes they just don't know how to apply it. Again, that's where a coach comes in. The numbers won't always tell you that, you know, that that 30 second front lever you spent so long developing just doesn't show up at all when you don't trust those slippery smears on your project. But a coach will notice it. It's complicated. I get it. But that's what makes it so damned appealing. Okay. If you're in St. Louis or Virginia, look us up. We're coming your way. There's new tanks and tees on the website right now. New designs. You should go check those out. Powercompanyclimbing.com You might be able to find Steve Mace at stevemacetraining.com, but his website seems to be down right now. So Steve, if you're listening, fix your damn website. Everybody's asking. Just go do it. You know where to find us all over the internet, on the Facebooks, on the Instagrams, at Power Company Climbing. You can find us on the Pinterest too, if you should desire that. You cannot and will not ever find us on the Twitter because 
We don't tweet. We scream like eagles. Time, 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 time